Welcome to the one on one. When it comes to ratings, man, we number one. I get the truth, then I give them the scoop. If anybody got a question, I give them the proof. Welcome to the one on one. When it comes to ratings, man, we number one. I get the truth, then I give them the scoop. If anybody got a question, I give them the proof. Welcome to one on one at Legacy Lake Sports Network. Darrell Owens, Legacy Maker Sports Network, and welcome to episode four of One on One here on the Legacy Maker Sports Network. And with me today, I have a man that needs no introduction, especially if you're here from the RVA area, and that's Mr. Bob Black. He is the radio host of the Sports Huddle on ESPN Richmond, and he is the director of broadcasting for the University of Richmond. Bob, how's it doing today? Darrell, thank you so much for having me. In episode four, that means I'm in your top five. I've never been in anybody's top five. <laughs> exciting. Well, 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 welcome to the top five, sir. This is something that uh, <laughs> this is something that we we were very glad to have you, and we truly appreciate you coming on. And we're gonna dig into a little bit of the man, the myth, and the legend that is Bob Black. You ready for that, Mr. Black? <laughs> Mostly myth, but go ahead. Mostly myth. <laughs> Mostly myth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. So we'll start it off with the one. We kind of started all of our interviews off this way, and we'll start it off with you. How are you handling life during this pandemic, COVID-19? It's just been a wild and crazy two months. Uh, and so how are you and your family handling things during the pandemic? Well, to be honest with you, Darrell, the most surreal part of it for me was when it first began because we were in Brooklyn for the Atlantic 10 tournament with the Richmond Spiders, and I was literally walking the streets of Brooklyn to get to Barclays Center on that Thursday late morning with my broadcast partner, Greg Beckwith, when our phones started lighting up, and we got the word that the entire tournament had been canceled Literally, just when we got to the door of Barclays Center, we never stepped foot inside, we turned around, went back to the hotel. Next thing we knew, we were back in Richmond, and here we were in self-quarantine for the next two to three months. So that was probably the most surreal moment and the most heartbreaking moment, quite frankly, because as you know, we felt as though our team, Richmond, had a really good chance of making a deep run, not only in the Atlantic 10 tournament, but also having some success in the NCAA tournament. Um, since then, it has been somewhat difficult. By the same token, I think we have adapted. I think we have found that people are creative. People can adapt to circumstances and situations. And I would say that we have probably done as good a job with that as we can. You mentioned the morning talk show, the sports huddle. That has gone on with the exception of one week. We did take one week away from it. But other than that, we have been on day in and day out. And, and as I tell people, there's been plenty of sports news. There just hasn't been any sports games to go along <laughs> with the sports news. But we've had news. Just I need some West Coast baseball scores to update people out in the morning that they didn't get because they went to sleep, that kind of thing. That's, that's kind of what we really miss at this point. And, man, I know you echo those sentiments. We need sports back, don't we? Oh, I mean, the really good thing right now, I think we both can say is that 
we know it's getting closer. Uh, just as long as everything, you know, hands out, looks like the NBA is going to be back in about uh, about a month. We got the NHL that's going to be back in about a month. Uh, NASCARs already have already jump started, so that we got a little something there. Uh, and then I believe baseball. I, I heard July the fourth is one of the dates I heard, but I mean we're just hoping for we just we need it. And I, I think most people in the media, including ourselves, would say, "Man, we need this bad." And uh, you know, I will say also like it's funny because we were sending someone up also to the A10 uh, tournament, and they were actually on their way to the airport. Uh, or they actually were taking a bus. It was on, on the way to the bus to go up there, and the same thing happened. They said, boss, what am I doing? I said, you're not going. <laughs> I said, I, I got a feeling they're going to cancel it. And then the very next day at noon, they canceled. So we had to hold off because of that. So we, we believe me, it's, it's been trying times. But, hey, I guess we all will make it through some way. Absolutely. And the one I miss the most is probably baseball. This time of year, I'm a huge baseball fan. I love the fact that it's on every day, every night, whether it's my team or just baseball on in the background. And I'm really dismayed, Darrell, by the bickering that's going on right now in Major League Baseball between the owners and the players. It, it, in the times we're living through, it's right. just not a good look for them right now. We, we need to get them back on the field. Well, you know, I think a lot of people would say baseball. I, wanna, I don't want to say it's a dying breed because I'm a huge baseball fan. I love baseball more than a lot of people. It's like, you know, like Coach said the other, ne- other day on the show, it's, it's he secretly loves baseball. Uh, and that's how it is for me. Like, I love baseball with all my heart. And you know, you don't want to call the players this or that because of what their situation. They want to they want to get paid for what they're doing. Um, but you know, it's one of those things that I hope that they get together, man. Because I mean, my Mariners. Uh, <laughs> I have. I'm just you know. I'm just hoping for good baseball all around. So I, I have nothing to really smile about there. Maybe in a couple of years, but we'll see. <laughs> Well, my team's the Phillies, so I'm ready for them to give me a summertime back and not be out of it before we get to the 4th of July, which won't happen this time around. But I'm hoping they can find a way, and I hope they get more than 50 games. I hope they can get it upward close to 80 games this year, and then we can have some playoffs and have some fun with it. And I'm also excited about NBA and NHL returning, and and hopefully training camps for the NFL will start close to on time. And of course, what I do with football and basketball at the college level, we're very hopeful that we're going to have those sports once we turn to the fall. Now, now let's, let's talk a little bit about that. Um, you know, you've been the voice, uh, you know, for the, you know, for the spiders for a long time. And you've, uh, you know, you've had a chance to like see a lot of spiders football slash basketball slash pretty, pretty much a little bit of everything. But what were your thoughts on last year's teams? Because uh, the football team, you know, looked like they made a little progress from the year before. Uh, they were 4-4 four and four in the CAA and uh, they're 5-7 overall, but they look like they're making some leeway. And, of course, the basketball team, we saw what they were able to do. Uh, and I think it shocked a lot of people. But to people who were close like me, me, you, we saw the potential that this team had coming up in the last couple of years, just had to put it all together. So just in your eyes, can you give us a recap of what you thought, how both of these seasons went since you're there on a day-to-day basis? Well, from the football standpoint, first, very frustrating, so close and yet so far. Now, that team did finish 5-7, and seven, disappointed being under 500. But I think you can point to four games, and this if is an easy thing to say. You know that as well as I do. Right. Uh, but if, if they could have finished off even just three of those four – uh, they could have been a playoff team. They were that close. First of all, there were two non-conference games that, 
you know, quite frankly, you put some of these non-conference games on your schedule because you think you have a better than good chance to win them. And when you don't, that's a disappointment. And the game at Fordham, which was a middle-of-the-road Patriot League team, the Spiders will tell you, that's a game they felt they should have won. So that's one. Yale was a really good team out of the Ivy League. Nobody would have wanted to play Yale in the postseason if the Ivy League led its champion into our postseason tournament. But they won the Ivy League. But the Spiders were up three scores on them in the second half and did not finish it out. And Yale came back to their credit and won the game. But that's two right there. And then there were two conference games. The Spiders were ahead in the fourth quarter at Villanova, ahead in the fourth quarter at home against arch rival William and Mary, and couldn't finish them out. And if you just take three of those four, you're at eight and four instead of five and seven, and you're probably a playoff team. So a valuable, painful lesson is what I think last year's team learned that you've got to play every game. It's easy to say, but you got to do it. You got to play every game from opening kick to the final whistle, and the game on August 30th is just as important as the game on November 15th. Right. And I do think they learned that lesson. They got a lot of guys coming back from that team. I think they feel good at just about every position, offensively, defensively, and special teams. There are a couple of areas that I'd really be interested to see what's happening. Of course, they didn't get much of spring ball in, Darrell. You know that. Yeah. You know, they only got about five practices. But I would like to see what they've got at wide receiver, uh, where they lost their two top wide receivers who were graduate transfers who had great years. And then at defensive back, they also lost uh, three senior or graduate transfer starters. So I think football was that close and yet that far, and they need to make up that gap. Um, Basketball, wow. I mean, how much fun? How much fun was that? Um, You know, I, I, I won't sit here you know, behind my broadcast perch at the Robin Center that I, <laughs> that I missed so much, which is why I put it up behind me right. um, tonight. We were so disappointed uh, that this season ended so abruptly. I think we all felt really good that they were going to have a very good year. Uh, I don't know that I can sit here and tell you 24-7 and seven or give you a number, but I do feel as though most of us close to the program, yourself included, mm-hmm. felt that this was going to be the start of two really good years. And I said that, so I was blue in the face, that this was a team that was built for two years of success. Not meaning they'd be successful in year two, but that they would be right. very successful in both of those years. That came to fruition First year at 24 and seven, and obviously with all five starters back, top seven scorers back, uh, three really good-looking freshmen coming in. Uh, let let's play this year. Let's tip it off, Darrell. We need we need tip off on that big I, red spider behind me. I, I'm going to tell you right now. I I remember last season, even the the first year, and I and I remember looking at the team and I said, okay, they got a lot of good young talent. And then you see a guy like Jacob Gilliard, and you know him being a top five in the country in steals, just. You know, and then there's that stat where he's out there and he's, you know, him and Jason Kidd, I believe, I want to say Jason uh, Kidd and Allen Iverson are the only other people besides himself uh, that have done, I, was at, I believe, steals, points, and um, I want to say rebounds, don't give me, or maybe assists. Uh, but he's, he's in, that's high company that he is in, that, in, that, in those statistical categories. And you knew he had the talent. Uh, you get a guy, Grant uh, Golden, who's, you know, just been phenomenal. Um, during his time there. And I felt to myself, I'm like, this team has the presence. They can just bring it all together. I thought they could have done it last year, but then Sherrod got hurt. And I think that kind of changed it a little bit. But when you definitely can see what they could have been with everybody together, it's, it's a pretty special thing. 
And now, obviously, they're all coming back together. Uh, they're going to be preseason top 25 in a lot of polls. They'll be preseason favorite or one of the two favorites probably in the Atlantic 10. So we'll see how they handle that. I'm very confident they're going to handle it well. This was a very, very level-headed, steely-eyed group last year. And now they've got one more year of experience under their belt. And most of them also have the negative experience of those back-to-back 20 loss seasons. And I think that still lingers with them to some degree that they are making up for a lot of lost time, literally and figuratively there. So, man, I don't know that we can be any more excited. In all the years I've been doing Spider basketball, I'm not sure I could be and our fan base could be any more excited than the year, hopefully, that's going to play out as scheduled for Chris Mooney's team. Now, co- oh, coach. <laughs> well, I mean, hey, I mean, an elevation. <laughs> that's a promotion. And ain't, ain't nothing coach, wrong with that. It. <laughs> <laughs> now, Bob, let me ask you this. I mean, you know, this team, you know, you've been a, a part of that Spiders organization for 34 years. How did you get into, uh, you know, broadcasting itself? How did you get into that? Uh, what made you say, okay, man, I, I want to be a play-by-play, uh, you know, guy. I want to be a play-by-play guy. I want to do uh, you know, sports journalism, what got you to that point? Who influenced you to get to that point? Yeah, you know, I'm not really sure where it got into my blood, to be honest with you. Neither of my parents um, were very proficient in sports. They were not <laughs> big They're both um, in the medical profession, quite frankly. And I imagine they would have rather hoped I'd gone into the medical profession with them, but certainly very supportive of what I did. But uh, from a very young age, uh, I gravitated to sports. And for some reason to to broadcasting, they they had a picture of me probably when I was eight years old, (laughs) sitting in front of our television at home with a tape recorder and a microphone and the sound turned down on the Phillies game and broadcasting off of the TV. And who would have thought we'd come full cycle, right? (laughs) We're probably going to broadcast games from in front of a TV now because they're not going to let us in the arena. So we're going to have do it that way. So since I was eight years old, I've had I've had that experience. But uh, you know, I played as a youngster and as a teenager and in high school, primarily baseball um, through through my senior year in high school. But obviously, knew I wasn't going to be big, strong, fast, good enough to continue. And I, I wanted to stay around sports and I wanted to stay around the game. And I gravitated to the to the media side of it. I actually started out doing some print journalism, but but quickly transitioned over to the broadcast side, which I loved. And uh, off to Syracuse University, I went, which we believe is the best broadcast journalism school in the country. There will be those that will disagree with that. But we, have pretty, <laughs> we have a pretty strong following there at Syracuse with the Orange. Uh, and it kind of just mushroomed from there. And I've, I've been, I'm one of those people that wasn't in that boat that said, I don't know what I'm going to do with my life when I'm a, a, a freshman in college or a senior in college. I, I knew along what I wanted to do. See, that's awesome. I mean, I, I, I remember the, probably the same thing. I, the feeling, the, the bug that I got to want uh, to do play-by-play, to be, you know, I just always tell people I want to tell the story. I feel like when you are, you're, you're that person that tells the story of that game, and you, I wanted to be the person that told that story, and then people was like, man, I got to go hear Durrell tell that story. Uh, that's always been my motivation with that. I, I, I love it till this day. And I don't, I don't think I'll ever get over it. I don't think, I don't care what anybody said. They could say, Darrell, that's it. If you don't do this, we're going to take everything you got. I'm sorry. I'm, that love is just not going to go away. And Keep I can, it. it's, it's, it, you know, it's just, it's that it's in you. And you know that, I mean, when it once is in you, it's in you. So, you know, uh, but with that being said, uh, you know, you've been uh, a part of that Spiders organization for 34 years. 
I mean, how has it lasted so long? How have you been able to, to, to you know, change the dynamic there and just be, you know, you've been a, a huge part of that organization and that school. Uh, how, how have you been able to, to, to smooth on through with this? I don't know. I, they've never kicked me out. I think they've had plenty <laughs> of opportunity um, to do that, but, but for whatever reason, I've never done that. And you mentioned kind of change with the dynamic. Um, I would kind of hope that that I and we have done that over the years because so many things have changed since I first started out, whether it is radio or whether it is television, social media now plays such a role. We do so much more TV than we've ever done before. It was almost right. exclusively radio when I started out. So I, I do kind of appreciate your question. You do have to change with the times. And if you change with the times and you prepare well enough, and I feel like that's one of my strengths and attributes is preparation. I learned that you know very early on at Syracuse and also in my professional life. Um, and I love doing it. I mean, I just, I, I always try to kid myself that being around 18 to 22 year old uh, student athletes keeps me young. Now, I'm not sure you look at this and say, <laughs> young anymore, but I feel it. I still feel it when I'm hey. around them. And, and when we're doing a broadcast, I still, you know, people ask, do you still get nervous? Well, no, I probably don't get nervous, but I still get really excited. Right. Really excited at the start of a broadcast. You know, when that opening music ends and it's time for me to speak, I, I get excited for that, and I get excited for the game. So I think that's probably what's kept me around as long as it, as it has. And obviously, our fan base, for for better or worse, has enjoyed the product that we've put out there, and, and I certainly am appreciative of all of them. Now, you not, not just uh, at the U of R, but you, the last couple of years, uh, you, uh, if not longer, have been a part of the ESPN Richmond family, uh, and your show has been out since 2016, if I'm correct. And, you know, for you, how did you get into that? You know, how did you, um, you know, make that leap into the show? And what has been your greatest moment uh, while hosting uh, the Sports Huddle? Um, well, a couple things. Number one, I, in, in a previous broadcast life, I was a sports talk show host many, many years ago at a uh, sports radio station. I was actually program director and hosted the afternoon show there so this is not my first go around mm -hmm. with doing sports talk radio and um but it's changed uh we talk about you know change certainly sports talk radio has changed quite frankly it's much easier to do now right than it was quote unquote back in the day you know when you don't <laughs> when you didn't have a laptop in front of you and a phone in front of you and if you didn't know something it only took you a couple pushes of a button to find it when the old days you had to wait for a commercial break and you had to go run and look something up look Probably. So I do think from that perspective, it's a little bit easier. So about uh, three, four years ago, uh, Greg Burton, who was hosting the afternoon show on ESPN 950, was doing three hours and decided he wanted to cut back by an hour. Uh, he also has a full-time position at Virginia Commonwealth University. Right. Didn't want to give up the radio gig, but wanted to cut it back a little bit. And Mitchell Bradley, who I've known for a long, long time, and I know yep. you know, as right. well, um, terrific guy in this business came to me and said, hey, we don't want to give up that hour of local sports talk. We don't want to just flip the switch and put ESPN on, which they could have done. Right. We'd like to keep local. Could you do an hour in the afternoon, three to four? And I went to my folks at Richmond, and uh, they were they were very positive about it. I would not have done it, obviously, without their approval and permission. And I was actually able to do it literally from U of R, from our broadcast booth at Robin Stadium. It was no different, really, than doing a game. 
So every afternoon at about 2.30, I'd leave my office in the Robbins Center, go up to Robbins Stadium, and do my hour show from 3 to 4. And then when a change was made in the morning, they came to me and asked me if I wanted to move to the morning. Um, and again, it was not 6 a.m. in the morning. I don't know that I would have done 6 a.m. <laughs> uh, it was only 8, so that, that was okay. And again, I went back to Richmond and said, hey, what do you think about this? And they were like, that's fine. We, we love having you on the air, that the identifying factor of Voice right. of the Spiders is always out there. Go ahead and do it. Uh, my one caveat, my one request was that I wanted a co-host. Um, right. I wanted somebody to do it with me. It really hadn't been done in this market before. There are producers, as you well know, and I don't mean to bore your audience, who will answer the phones and put <laughs> you on the air. They grab the mic every once in a while and chime in with a comment or two. And right. I asked them, I said, I want a legitimate co-host and a producer. And the folks at Radio One, Urban One, ESPN Richmond said, let's go ahead and do that. Right. And that's what we did. Andrew Wallace joined me as co-host. Mitchell is our producer. And unfortunately, the times of this pandemic have really right. hit us hard. And there were cutbacks and layoffs and furloughs. And, you know, I'm doing it solo now. And I certainly hope that someday in the not too distant future, I'll be back to having a co-host on that morning show. So that's kind of a long-winded answer to your question. Hey, no, it's all good. It's all good. Andrew, Andrew's definitely a wonderful guy. I've had an opportunity to, you know, me and him talk uh, occasionally, on, especially on Twitter. So we always go back and forth on Twitter. He's got, got a really great opinion, a really good uh, – really good mind in the business. So, you know, nothing but luck to uh, my man, Andrew. All right, so here we go. Are you ready for what I like to call quick ones, Mr. Bob, oh, Bob, but that's right. No, 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 there you go. It's, it's, yeah, the, there you it's go. the country in me, man. My mom, my mom did this to me, you know? But Bob. She brought right? you up, Carol. She did. She <laughs> brought you up right. But uh, like I told you, I'm going to break you of that polite habit, and I want you to call me Bob. Bob, my first name, like all my media friends do. All right, all right. So, Bob, are you ready for quick ones here uh, on one-on-one? I'm a little nervous, Darrell. You know, I told what? you earlier I don't get nervous very often about a broadcast. <laughs> I'm getting a little nervous about this. Don't, don't get nervous. I'm not going to hurt you too bad, all right? <laughs> all right, so quick ones. And we're going to do this one kind of with a, a, a broadcast feel. So this yeah. might be a little bit up your alley. I might stump you a little bit. My guest on the last show – I think I threw her away with the interview one. I don't think she was prepped for it at all, but I think, I think that you'll be able to handle this one. All, all right. right. Your first one is the first game you've ever broadcasted. First game I ever broadcast <laughs> on radio. Um, you know, I don't remember the opponent. I'm sure it was at Syracuse University, probably right. about my sophomore year mm -hmm. or so, because our student radio station was a really good one, still is, and broadcast all the games with student uh, voices. So it was probably a Syracuse football game my sophomore year at Syracuse. Okay. All right. Okay. That's a good one. That's a good start. See, it wasn't too bad. It wasn't too bad. All now, right. I will tell you, this is not what you asked, but I did broadcast the first ever game at the Carrier Dome at Syracuse oh. University. That was built during my time as a student at Syracuse, and I did have the privilege and the honor to broadcast the first football game in the wow, Carrier Dome. Wow, that's at awesome. Syracuse University. See that's that's a, look at that facts right here on on one on one. That's amazing. That's a that's a pretty good deal right there. You can't. Beat that was that. against Miami. That one I do know the opponent. That was against Miami of Ohio, uh -huh. and uh, the Orange won that game. Well, hey, at least hey, at least you got the the first time, and and the Orange men got to get the and W the on that one. So that's important. All right, yep. best player 
that you've ever uh, had the opportunity to call play-by-play for? Wow. Um, I, I could give you a, a couple. I know you want one. That's okay. Uh, I'm a couple of uh, I'm uh, uh, Johnny Newman will be the first name that, that comes to my mind, um, you know, who played basketball, obviously, at the University of Richmond and went on to a, about a 17-year career in the NBA. And uh, we haven't had anybody else do anything along those lines. So I think right. I would be pretty safe to say Johnny Newman. I'll tell you the football guy who comes to mind, and a lot of names come to mind, but um, I got him at the end of my career just when I first got to Richmond, mm-hmm. and uh, he was probably his junior and senior year. There are two guys I'm going to give you, and again, I'm skirting the question a little bit. That's Leland okay. Melvin is one. Leland okay. Melvin is a wide receiver uh, for us. He went on to get a shot with the Dallas Cowboys but got injured, and Leland's claim oh. to fame now, Darrell, I don't know if you know this, but he he was a NASA astronaut, uh, and really? he went on two. Yeah, he went on two space missions, and he's actually been a part of the uh, commentary team for NASA on this current mission, the SpaceX mission, that just went up. And he still works for NASA, does a lot of educational and speaking appearances, just a a phenomenal wide receiver. And then the other one would be Brian Jordan, who played two sports for Richmond and played two sports professional. He played in both the NFL and Major League Baseball. So. Uh, those those would be my answers. Uh, again, plural, not one. The first name that comes to my mind was Johnny Newman. But then I would throw Brian Jordan and Leland Melvin in there as well. You know, the the more you know, you know what I'm saying? That's like that's spatter history right there that a lot of people probably <laughs> wouldn't have known. That's a, that's an amazing accomplishment. Oh, man, that's that's awesome right there. I'm glad I'm glad I asked that one. <laughs> Yeah, and, and I'll tell you what, on, on each of his space missions, uh, Leland has taken something identifiable to the Richmond Spiders up with him in space, which has been uh, been really, really cool, and we still stay in touch to this day. That's, that's amazing. That's amazing. Next one I got for you. Best game, the greatest game that you've ever called? Well, I think um, a lot of people might think I would say – the football championship game when we right. won the national championship. Um, but I would actually say the game before that, that got us to the national championship, which was at Northern Iowa. And they play in this tight, um, loud uh, dome stadium. It only seats about 10,000. It's not one of those cavernous uh, 70,000 seat dome stadiums, loud as could possibly be. And we were down two touchdowns in the second half. Everybody thought our season was over. We were done. And our quarterback, Eric Ward, led us back on two remarkable scoring drives. We scored the game-winning touchdown with 12 seconds to go to a wide receiver in the corner of the end zone that I never saw. That's how tight the field was. <laughs> One corner of the end zone that was out of our view is where he threw that game-winning touchdown pass. And I had to wait for him to come back into view. Uh, and our sideline <laughs> reporter was jumping up and down, Matt Smith, on the sideline. So I knew we'd scored a touchdown. But until he came out from, from behind the, the concrete, I didn't know who scored the game, what he touched that. So that's the first one that comes to my mind from a football standpoint is our semifinal win over Northern Iowa the year the Spiders went on to win the national championship. The other one would be the first time I did a game, and I've now been fortunate to do two of them here, at Fog Allen Fieldhouse at Kansas. Mm-hmm. And we went in there in 2004 to play Kansas. Jerry Wainwright was our head coach, and we upset the Kansas Jayhawks. It was Bill Self's first year at Kansas. Um, you talk about an arena just steeped in tradition, the whole fog thing, the chant, rock chalk, Jayhawk, yeah. all of that. I remember the night before, we went in there for a shoot around, and I went sneaking through the building, Darrell. I wanted to see every cranny I found myself in the men's basketball offices, <laughs> right at Bill Self's office. 
uh, did all of that, the history, the monument, everything, and then got to call that game from courtside at Fog Allen Fieldhouse. And one of my favorite all-time spiders, Tony Dobbins, hit the game-winning shot in the final seconds, and, and we upset Kansas. It turned out to be a crucial victory because it was an NCAA year for the Spiders that season. Now, let's see, uh, Kentucky. Now, the Spiders played Kentucky this year, correct? Is that in, correct. That's in Kentucky. And that's on, that was one that's on my broadcast bucket list. That is one arena that I have never done a game from. Mm-hmm. Um, Cameron Indoor Stadium is another. Right. Uh, now, I've been to game a game at Cameron as a fan, but I've never broadcast a game from Cameron. I've never been to Rupp Arena, so that one certainly is on my bucket list. So hopefully that game's <laughs> going to be played, right? Let's hope through this pandemic – and hopefully broadcasters are still allowed to travel with the team and we don't have to do that game in front of TV monitors. I, I want to be there at Rupp Arena. One of my former broadcast partners, really good friend, by a guy by the name of Kevin Grevy, who played on the Washington Bullets' only NBA championship in mm-hmm. 1978, the late, great Wes Unseld. I just had Kevin on my radio show to talk about his remembrances of Wes Unseld. He was a phenomenal player at Kentucky. In fact, his right. number is retired. It hangs in the rafters at Rupp Arena. So I, I want to be able to go back or go to Rupp Arena and take a picture of my good friend Kevin Grevy's banner hanging in the rafters, and I want to broadcast a spider victory over his Kentucky Wildcats in November. That's what I'm saying. I mean, Kentucky Covenants, I think, with Michigan State in the year or so, if I'm not mistaken. If I, is that Michigan State they're supposed to have in, like, 2021? That might be football. That and that's football. football. Yeah, Ooh. that's football. Our basketball schedule is, is really strong this year. I mean, we've got some big-time away games. Um, so hopefully we get to go to the mall because this could be one of the more fun years on the road right. for the Spiders <laughs> as well. They got to go. Uh, we mentioned Kentucky and Cincinnati and Vanderbilt and College of Charleston and Colorado State are all away games for spider basketball. Mm. You know they think they're going to be pretty good when they've got a schedule like that. Exactly. They, they got to be confident. And the way things are in college basketball now, uh, uh, you know, back in the, like, powerhouse teams don't have that – they have the same effect, but they don't have that same effect because of the one-and-done situation. And a lot of those mid-major – those mid-major teams that have been together for a long time really can make noise now because of that. And I, that, that's why it gives the Spiders a really good opportunity to knock on the door uh, this upcoming year. So two uh, more for you, Mr. Uh, Mr. Bob. Look, <laughs> I'm getting better. We took the black out there. We just got Mr. Bob. So, but, Bob, uh, you're getting there. We're getting there. We're getting there. Uh, two more for you. Worst game that you've ever had a chance that you just said, man, I wish I could do this one over, or just the worst one that you was like, oh, I wish this one had never happened. <laughs> Wow. Um, one, I it? imagine it's probably some blowout loss. I've never really thought about it there. You know, when I when I first came to Richmond, or I, I came to do minor league baseball, and I did the mm-hmm. Richmond Braves uh, for about 11 years. And, and I can't give you a specific example, but I'll bet there were a couple of nights on the road on a lonely mid-June night in Toledo, Ohio, <laughs> and there were about 75 people in the stands. And I was watching an 11-to-1 game wondering, you know, why did I ever get into, into broadcasting? <laughs> so I, if I had to say, I would, I would probably say because of the number of games that you do right. um, and many times in front of very small crowds and you wonder who's back home listening, it was probably a Richmond Braves minor league game somewhere <laughs> along the way. But I don't know if that was in Toledo, Ohio or Portland, Maine or – Pawtucket, Rhode Island, but Portland, that's Maine. probably where the worst <laughs> one was. I can't really think of a 
a worst one. I'd probably give you a couple of the more unusual ones, but probably not a worst one. Okay, okay, I see you there. And then the last one here, now I, I, asked, I asked Coach uh, Russell the other day this one, so I'm going to ask you the same one. He said, I'll give you his answer, but I, what is your favorite food? He said ribs. Yeah, he, I, I watched it. I heard yeah. his answer. And he I, said I, ribs. I'm waiting for the invitation for Coach Russell to, right? to whip up some ribs, right? <laughs> right? I, don't, I don't believe him that he cooks them that well. I, I want that invitation because I, I, like, I like ribs too. Um, but I'm probably more of a uh, surf and turf kind of guy. I would probably uh, go with with steak and salmon or uh, steak okay. and or steak and shrimp would would probably be my my two go tos. But I, I heard his aunt, and I'm not going to tell you that I'm I'm a master at master chef and whipping up the steak and shrimp either because I don't want to cook it right. Now. <laughs> Look, I heard, I heard I Coach Michelle <laughs> bragging on his ribs, so I'm waiting for the entire Robin Center to get right. a big slab of ribs from Coach Russell. I just want the invitation. I just I want. I mean, if they need judges for this contest, I think that me and you, Bob, we, we're ready. We're game. <laughs> You know, if he wants to cook for the players one day, we'll be there to test it out. Yeah. I, I have no problems with that. <laughs> Me, I'm, I'm trying to lose a little, you know, this quarantine 15 thing. Yeah. <laughs> kind of hit me hard here. So I'm, I'm trying to lose it, not gain more. But if Coach Roussel is going to whip up some of his ribs, I, I'm going to break the diet for a night. I'm definitely down for it. I, I know. I know. Don't uh, Coach Mooney and Coach Rhodes have had this cooking contest the last couple of years, correct? We might have to find a way to be judges on this panel. Uh, yeah, I think that's I something. Been, that... I've been, I've been one of the MCs of that. They never let me kind of judge it, but uh, <laughs> the little bit I've been able to taste at the end of it, they, they're both pretty good chefs, to be honest. Okay. Neither one of them will tell you that they they know their way around a kitchen, but both of them were pretty good in those uh, coaches' cook-off <laughs> contests. We're gonna have to find a way to sneak in. It's gonna happen, Bob. I got full faith. At some point, they're gonna ask for our expertise, and I hope they, <laughs> I think we can make this happen. All right. Yeah. Once again, look, uh, you know, Bob, I truly appreciate you coming on. Uh, you know, here at Legacy Maker Sports Network, we're about legacy and, and, and help building our legacy. So for you, the last question that we have, and I'm going to ask every guest that I haven't had the second chance, the opportunity to uh, talk to, uh, what do you want your legacy to be in sports journalism? When it's all said and done, what do you want people to be able to say about Bob Black? at the end of your uh, – when you decide I'm hanging up the microphone, the headsets are going to the side, what do you want people to say about your career? Uh, I think that I told the story well, uh, that I was well prepared, uh, that I interacted well with coaches and players, both professional and student athletes at the college level. Um, I think that's probably the legacy, and, and particularly in the early years when we were just on radio, that, hey, people would say, you know, I was actually able to see the game through the radio by your description. Um, and my, uh, my preparedness, I think I, I try to be as prepared as I possibly can be day in and day out. And, um, you know, a phrase I use with a lot of uh, younger people coming up is, is, you know, be positively accurate. Right. Uh, be positive as much as you can. And in this day and age with what, everything we're going through, I think that resonates even more. But right. but you've got to be accurate as well. There are going to be moments, you know, you have to be fair and you, you have to, you know, be critical by what you see, by what your eyes show you. And I, and I always say that there are, I think uh, people say, well, how can you do play by play? 
And my answer to that is it's really just a script that's being written in front of us. We're just reading a script on that court behind us or on the football field or the, or the baseball diamond. So I think those are the, the attributes that, that I hope I would leave our audience with uh, when that day comes, which I hope isn't for, for a little while yet. Well, I will say this before we uh, get off of here. My favorite game that I listened to, I remember, um, was probably – and it's, it's recent. Uh, it was last season – uh, you you were broadcasting from St. Louis on the – I think you, y'all, y'all were on the road in St. Louis and the Spiders won that game. And I remember listening to it mm-hmm. and just remember listening to the enthusiasm and the way – I felt like I was there. I, I remember sitting there like, this is – I was driving – actually, I think I was driving from a women's game at, at, at Robinson and I was riding um, – I, I can't even think of the road that's leading back to – Oh, 150, 150 uh, for those here in um, Chippenham, for those here in Richmond. And I remember listening to the game, and I'm like, man, this this is amazing and phenomenal job there. So that was my favorite game that I've heard you call. Uh, And, you know, I don't think a lot of people thought Richmond was going to win that game, uh, but they went in there and they, yeah, they got it. (laughs) Yes, they did. And ironically, those are probably going to be the top two teams going into next year. Going into next year. So look, look forward to the rematches of those. And, you know, you kind of summed up my entire answer to your, to your great question there when you said, I felt like I was there listening to your broadcast. That's about as good a compliment as any radio broadcaster could possibly, could possibly get. In this age of TV, that changes, obviously, because right. you can see everything from every angle. But for you to be able to say and for me to hear somebody say, I felt like I was there, because of the description we were providing them, uh, that's a that's pretty high water compliment. So thank you. Oh no problem, no problem. And then Bob Black, University of Richmond director of broadcasting and host of ESPN's ESPN Richmond Sports Huddle. Make sure y'all check that out when y'all get an opportunity. And those happen. Um, that's eight o'clock in the morning still. Eight to ten, Monday eight to Friday. Monday to Friday. So y'all make sure y'all check out my man Bob Black. He has been an amazing person to me. I truly appreciate you coming on. And once again, everybody, this is one-on-one. Darrell Owens, Legacy Maker Sports Network. Thank y'all for tuning in. We've got more to come. we got some more surprises coming up here in the next couple of weeks. So y'all stay tuned. Thank y'all once again for tuning in. Until next time. One, 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 one. One, 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 one. Welcome to the one on one, one on one. When it comes to ratings, man, we number one. I get the truth, then I give them the scoop. If anybody got a question, I give them the proof. Welcome to the one on one, one on one. When it comes to ratings, man, we number one. We number one. I get the truth, then I give them the scoop. If anybody got a question, I give them the proof. Welcome to One on One at Legacy Lake Sports Network.